Welcome to the Selling from the Heart podcast, your home for authentic, effective, and socially integrated sales strategies to help you master the art of selling. Join your co-hosts, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy, along with some of the world's best sales thought leaders and practitioners as we explore ways to help you grow your sales. Hello and welcome back to the Selling from the Heart podcast. Your co-host, Daryl Amy, here today with Larry Levine. What's going on, Larry? Right smack in the middle of dog days of summer, Daryl. Dog uh, this, days of summer. This is good. We we're kind of laughing in the uh, the pre-show. I am uh, As we're recording this podcast, this is going to date the podcast a little bit, but there is a hurricane about to come upon <laughs> where I live. So if, uh, if I drop out in the middle of the episode, you'll know exactly where I am. I'm under the desk. So, so, I, so I guess I'm going to have to fly solo then, right? <laughs> I think you got this, Larry. And with our <laughs> guests today, that's not going to be a problem. By the way, if you're new to the Selling from the Heart podcast, welcome. You've joined a growing community of sales professionals that are dedicated to being genuine, being authentic, adding real value, we call it selling from the heart, and we're glad you're here, Larry. Um, I just, I just want to say that um, I want to thank you for uh, all that you've been doing every day. When I get up in the morning and I open my email, there, right there in my inbox, is a daily dose of inspiration from none other than Larry Levine. And I'm kind of making fun of you a little bit, but I mean this sincerely. It is great every day to start the day with just that reminder to you know what I got to bring my authentic self. To the table today and, and get at it. Well, no, I appreciate it. Plus you kind of pushed me to do it, but I'm having a blast, <laughs> but there, you know, it's an important thing because, you know, we can feed our brains with negativity or we can feed our brains with positivity. And yeah. the nice thing about what I'm doing with the daily dose and, and what it's allowing is, is there's not one message that's been repeated. So a lot of times, you know, when you ask for, you know, emails and you get on email lists with any kind of inspiration or education after a while, if you've been reading them, you go, Hey, I just read that one about two months ago. Right. Well, that every day I work on this and it's absolutely fresh stuff. It's the stuff that goes through my head and uh, I'm having a blast. It's really good. It is fresh every day. It's relevant. It's based on the conversations that you're having with sales uh, professionals that you're coaching and training and, and all of that. I really enjoy it. I sincerely do. And if you want to get access to that, as well as a bunch of other resources to help you sell from the heart, all you need to do is text the word heart to 21,000. Text the word heart to 21,000 and join the daily dose of inspiration. Speaking of inspiration, Larry, we are going to get inspired today. I'm excited about the topic and I'm even more excited about our guest. So uh, why don't you introduce our friend and let's dive in. I, I can't wait. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage our listeners, grab a couple sheets of paper <laughs> and a pen. So now I've dated myself for maybe the younger techno people out there, grab your iPad, notepad and a stylus. But we're in for a treat with Dave Brock, and it was it was interesting. Before we started recording this, I was I was talking with Dave, and I go, Dave, how long has it been since we first met each other? And I was trying to put my thinking cap on. Dave kind of knew whereabouts and and when we met. And I go, Gosh, it's been past ten years ago. And but he goes on the same thing. He goes. It seems like we talk all the time because we talk through social. It's going to kind of lead into to what we're going to talk about today. You're in for a treat. Dave Brock is salt of the earth. Dave, welcome to Selling from the Heart. 
Well, thank you. It's a privilege to be with you. I, I listened to some of your other podcasts, and I'm, I'm really flattered to be invited and to participate today. We just hope that Daryl doesn't have to all of a sudden leave and leave, you know, dead. <laughs> the worst thing in podcasts is dead air. And so you know, that, that, that part that is, is, is Daryl's having to protect himself from a hurricane, you know. <laughs> well, we so have talked fast so you can get out when you have there's no worries, David. We have professional editors that will take care of all of that, and nobody will even know uh, if I am swept away in in the flood. Hey, listen, you know that I'm I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. But as we get started, you know the question that everybody that comes on this Selling from the Heart podcast answers, and and that's simply this: What does it mean to you to sell from the heart? Well, you know, I think at the base level, it's it's really caring and caring genuinely about uh, about your customers, about your peers and colleagues and so on, and, and wanting to see them uh, be successful. I mean, if you look at it, and this isn't just kind of feel-good type stuff. I mean, if you want to look at it from a kind of cold business point of view is – we will never be successful as salespeople. We will never get those purchase orders unless the customer achieves their goals. Uh, you know, and, uh, unless they navigate their buying process and decide on us. And so, you know, we have to really be focused on them and what's important to them. And we have to genuinely care about their success because they won't keep coming back to us unless we help create them success that success. So, so caring is not just the right thing from a person to person or human kind of basis, but it's the right thing from a business point of view and for really driving our, our business, driving our own success. Uh, if we don't care about the customer, they don't care about us. And it's, I mean, it's awfully tough to sell in that environment. Yeah, it's it's so true, and in and, and I'm a I'm a big believer in the caring aspect because I think that's how you truly connect to somebody. You truly connect to your customers by caring, right? That that's part of it. And the other thing that I truly believe is the compassion that you bring to truly want to help them do better business. And people can smell it. I think in two seconds, Dave. Oh, it, I mean, it, people get it. Um, people get it really quickly. The interesting thing about caring is it allows you to establish a different or genuinely caring. It allows you to establish a different relationship with the customer in, in some ways to be very assertive to do. Th I mean, people mm -hmm. look at some of the things I do and say, you're really a high pressure salesperson. I said, I'm not a high pressure salesperson. I care so much about my customer and their ability to achieve their results is I feel bad when they start slowing down in their buying process because they're not going to achieve the results they want. I feel bad when they start not doing these things. And it's not because I want that order so badly, but it's because they aren't going to get what they want and what they need to be successful. And so it gives you, and when customers see you're coming from that place, you know, you can, push them really hard because the reason you're pushing them is for their success, not your purchase order. And I think that's where so many salespeople get it backwards is, is they push for their personal success, not the customer sales success. 
and customers see through that, they don't appreciate it, and they'll go buy from somebody who really cares about them. So wow. good, Daryl. I, I, you can't, you can't, you can't say it any better than that. And and I think that, you know, if you look at, at if we want to, if we want to challenge someone, if we want to, you know, if we want to articulate value, we can't articulate value if there's a wall of mistrust in front of us. And I always, it always, as you were talking, it just makes me think of, um, I love the book by Stephen M. R. Covey, Business at the Speed of Trust. Right? Mm-hmm. If you have trust, it goes fast, and you can, you have that, you've earned the right. To, right. to, to have that conversation to push somebody to, you know, right. to, but it, without trust, like the value gets so diluted and you don't have the ability to push. And it, it really, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of times people go, well, this relational thing, it's, it's touchy feely. We just need to close business. Well, guess what? People are buying from people. This is a relational right. thing. And, and the caring and the trust is, is critical. Well, and plus, I mean, if you look at these days, we're in the middle of a pandemic, uh, kind of the worst health crisis in uh, collapse in huge social unrest. And people, uh, people are, you know, feel isolated. They feel alone. They, they, you know, they're struggling with, with, you know, what they should be doing. Companies are struggling with what they should be doing and how they grow and how they survive. And, you know, they just need to know that somebody's there caring and trying to help them. Um, and and it's, it's amazing how much that simple action just really creates a huge mobilizing effect for them as individuals and for their companies. No, it's so true because it was about a week ago, Dave. I was just I was sitting on the couch. In fact, it was it was last weekend. And I, I had some things going through my head about, you know, what is salespeople really understand about the customers and things like that. So I just threw a question out there on social and I was amazed at some of the responses that I got back. And it was as simple as this, and it ties into exactly what you were saying. And it was really directed at sales leaders. And I said, hey, sales leaders out there, what have your salespeople learned, right? What have your salespeople learned about their customers over the last 90 days? Have they spent time getting to know them and what they've been going through over the last 90 days? What have they uncovered? Because if there's silence when you ask that question, your competitors might have uncovered something new about your own customers. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, well, you brought the uh, the competitor word into this, Larry, which is a yeah. great transition into what we want to talk about today. So nicely done, Larry. You get an A for a, a beautiful segue. I had, to, I had to tee you up, dude. <laughs> no, it's, David, you you put together some thoughts recently about talking about your competitors that I thought were so, I was so, uh, number one, thankful that someone stepped out and said this. Um, and the, the things you articulated and, and uh, the ideas you brought to the table about talking about your competitors, I thought were really insightful and brilliant. And I'd love to, t- to dive into this, this thought about, um, you know, what, what, do we, what do we do when, you know, when it comes to talking or not talking about our competitors in the sales cycle? I'm curious what kind of prompted this blog article. I know when I write a blog article, a lot of times <laughs> it's prompted by a rant <laughs> based on something. <laughs> so, oh, you've obviously read a lot of my posts. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, it was one of those things where somebody on LinkedIn was provoking a discussion. And you know how what they do is they, you know, say, and David A. Brock, what do you think of this? <laughs> um, you know, and I came back and I said, I think what you're talking about is harshit. Uh, and, 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 and that kind of set the conversation back quite a bit. And, and then I later, you know, that provoked me to write about the write about that because there was a, a group of people saying, you know, it's our responsibility to help our customers make informed decisions. And that's what our responsibility is. But part of it is to brief them on our perspectives of the competition. You know, and, and the conversation went on a really weird path that, you know, I said, one is what business do we have doing this? Number two is, is what do we really know about our competitors and how accurate is it? And, you know, most of the time when I've seen people try to do that is, is I would say 99.999% of the time is our assessments are completely incorrect. So we look like fools mm-hmm. to our customers. We're talking about things we don't know about and have no business uh, talking about. Um, and we set our competitors up actually for success by doing those things. Um, and, and, you know, and, and so we're not qualified to do this. The other thing is, is we start thinking about our customers have chosen to look at alternatives for some reason. You know, it's better for us to understand the reasons that they're looking at those and not bash the fact that they chose to look at our competitor and make them look, you know, feel stupid for doing something like that. That's so good. I, I think that I thought that 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 insight about saying, you know, the moment you start art starts uh, bashing the competitor, which whether you're doing it directly or indirectly, that's probably what you're going to do. Um, you know, just realizing that the the customer is looking, the prospect is looking at the competitor for a reason. And so when you start trashing the competitor, you're also trashing the customer or the prospect and and their thinking process, which no one would ever directly do that, tell their, their prospect that they're idiots. But if I hear you correctly, when you start trashing your competition, you're kind of indirectly telling your prospect that they're an idiot. Well, you, you, you're not indirectly telling the customer they're an idiot. You are telling the customer <laughs> they're an idiot because you're questioning it, questioning it. But what you're doing is demonstrating your own idiocy. You know, the better question, you know, and... <laughs> And the, the more interesting thing is, what is it about the competitor that fascinates you? What are you interested in what that competitor is doing? Because you get the customer talking about it. And, uh-huh. you know, most of the time when I've done that and, and, and get it, you know, there's some things that I keep thinking I'm asking the right questions separately. But all of a sudden, it's what is it about the competitor that you like? And they start opening up and they give you a whole long laundry list of stuff. And most of the time I look at it and say, oh, I just haven't talked about what we do about those things. You know, right. I, you know, shame on me. I didn't find that out. But now you're telling me in the context of what interests you about the competitor, I can address every single one of those issues that you brought up. I just didn't know about it before. So, you know, so that 
competition around the discussion uh, around the competitor is what is it about them that interests you so much? What is it that you like about them? And once they start talking about it, again, if, if, we're, if we are, are great salespeople, if we really understand our product, if we really understand the customer, you know, we can respond in very positive ways about that. Well, no, it, it goes back because I think, you know, a lot of times what happens and, and I've seen it and quite frankly, I think we've all been guilty of it. I know I, I've been guilty of it in the past is, you know, we hear the competition or we hear that they're bringing up competition and right away, salespeople go on the defensive without asking any questions. They just immediately they react and they go on the defensive. I think if they flip their mindset, just took a deep breath and went on the mm. offensive and started to ask questions around why and, and so yeah. forth. They'll usually after a while of engaging in those type of questions, they'll really get to the root. Yeah, well, and that's it is, is you know, the, the competition gives us in talking about why they're choosing, looking at competition and what they're looking for yeah. and what their opinions are, give us the information that we need that we may not get just by talking about our products, our offerings, and so on and so forth. Uh-huh. They, give us, they give us a different kind of point of view about what's important to the customer, that, that if we're good salespeople, we ought to be able to deal with that and manage it. And we ought to be able to then use that to really get the, the customer. You know, what we really want to do is, is understand what the customer is trying to achieve, why it's important, what it means to them, what the consequences are of not doing anything. And so all this information helps us guide the customer to a better decision. You know, and, and you know, to be fair is if the competition is a better decision for them, uh, then God bless them. They should choose the competition and we should back out as quickly as possible. I, I mean, I have this mantra that says win fast or lose fast. Um, and, and, you know, if the right, as, as much as our egos get in our way, if the right decision for somebody is somebody else, then we ought to, you know, we do them a greater service by, by just backing away from that. And interestingly enough, they'll respect you for it and they'll come back to you. Yeah, they will. They well, but Daryl, that one's hard because it always goes back to funnel never lies, right? Well, you got to have the, you got to have done the hard work to have a full enough funnel to feel like you can do that. And Larry, I think you said something though, that I I think is really important to highlight. And that is not to get too psychological here, but the moment that, you know, someone brings up the competition, I think what happens as in a sales situation, I know this happens to me is, you know, all of a sudden you just get in that defensive mode, right? Because you're threatened. I mean, you know, what, what do you do? You're, like the adrenaline starts pumping, you know, uh, I think the psychologist would say you have a bit of an amygdala hijack, right? You just go into like survival mode. And I, I think that one of the things, and, and then, you know, everyone can sense that, right? That you tense up and you're, you're there. Um, I think to walk into a conversation and to have the um, emotional intelligence to recognize that A, it probably are. I mean, who's not looking at competition? It's probably going to come to the conversation. And when it does, you know, this is, this is a, t- a thing to think about in advance and a plan for in advance, not to get into the, the situation and immediately go into defensive mode. 
um, and because you've, you know, you've, you've been hijacked emotionally, but, but, but to be able to, to keep your cool and, and look at it, you know, maybe, maybe we need to look at this as an opportunity and a good thing rather than, than looking at it as a threat to our, you know, very survival. Right. Well, Daryl, I think that's a really important point. There have been a lot of deals I've been involved in looking at and helping coach people on where, you know, you start, if competitors aren't involved, you start wondering, is this customer really serious about this? Are they really trying to make the right decision? Are they asking themselves the right question? Are they Mm -hmm. looking questions? Are they looking at the right issues? Are they really understanding that? And, and, you know, they should educate and inform themselves. A smart customer is always better for me. And part of the, the way they're going to get smart is by looking at a number of alternatives, just not, you know, as charming and witting and however great as I might be. You know, they become smarter by looking at a lot of alternatives and they come back and challenge me and give me the, the ability to better serve them, to better answer their questions, to, get, to better think about really what they're trying to achieve. So, so we shouldn't at all be defensive about it. I think where we get defensive is, is probably because we don't understand our own solutions well enough to be able to defend them. We don't understand the customer and what they're trying to achieve well enough to present how we help them. You know, so I think the defensiveness comes from our own personal insecurity and inability to to have good business discussions with the customer about what they're trying to achieve and show how we can help them achieve that better. And most of the time, again, when I, I when I got involved in the well, I, I blew off the LinkedIn conversation pretty quickly, but but when I start seeing salespeople talk about this, you know, you ask, why are you afraid of that discussion? Uh, And that discussion always comes back to insecurity about their own products and their own abilities to have deep discussions with the customers. So what we serve ourselves and serve our customers better at is by getting better at understanding our products, getting better at understanding how they help the customers solve problems and so on and so forth, not bashing the competition. That's, that's such a great, that's a, such a, such a great point because I think confidence, especially in, in the situations as we're discussing this, that's happening around salespeople today, Dave, is I think confidence has been shattered for some. And, you know, I, I want to touch on that. And as I was listening to what you're saying, I think another thing, and I'm, I'm going to throw a twist on this, but I think we can work through it is I want to bring the relational aspect of the customer into this, because if I, it, and I look back through my journeys and even in, in, in working with salespeople is when there's a strong relationship, when there's a strong relational foundation there and people are comfortable and confident with each other they can overcome a lot of these things and the conversation just happens naturally. If you get what I'm saying, but it, it's, it's when the, it's, it's when that competition word comes up and then all of a sudden that salesperson takes a deep breath, right? Maybe they go on the defense and they go, you know, 
I could, and, and all this is probably happening lightning fast anyway. They're going, maybe I haven't done a good job and so forth. Do you see where I'm going with this? Yeah, yeah. Again, I think, uh, I think um, you know, a lot of it goes back to our self-confidence, both yeah. our self-confidence in our ability to connect in a meaningful way with the customer. Um, you know, part of it is the fact that the customer is even talking about the competition shows that they have some confidence in us, that they they want to they want to have us help them make really the right decision. So they'll bring up competition. Um, you know, they're morally obligated to say, well, you know, my competitor will give it to me at, at 15% off. What can you do for me? But that's a different matter. Um, is is that you know, is, is we have to have the confidence. We have to, one, be building that relationship where the customer feels secure and confident in talking to yeah. us about the issues most important to them. And two is we have to have the confidence in ourselves and our ability to, in our knowledge of the product, in our knowledge of the problems, our knowledge of what the customer is trying to achieve, to be able to have those conversations. Um, yeah, you know, that's and, so and good. You don't have to win on everything. I mean, is sure. each of you know each of us solves ninety percent of the customer problem, but it's a different ninety percent, and we have to just kind of figure out how we guide the customer to what we do is superior to what our, 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 our is superior for them to all the alternatives they're considering. This conversation is just, I, I've got so many <laughs> ideas firing in my mind. So I've been reading one of my favorite, rereading oh, yeah. one of my favorite books this week. It's blue ocean strategy. For those of you who are listening in, I've been reading this strategy book with the, the eyes of a sales of sales as I'm reading the book, because really what we're doing in many cases is helping our clients develop the framework for the strategy. I mean, even a buying decision is strategic. And, um, you know, at the book that the authors talk about, don't, don't focus on beating the competition, focus on making the competition irrelevant by creating a leap in value. And you may go, well, as a sales professional, how can I do that? I don't control the product or the service. But what you do control is the discussion. And you control, you know, whether we're going to really pull out the high-level business objectives, outcomes, goals, challenges, whatever word you want to insert there, and make the connection for that client. And that's the stuff that competitors are probably very similar to you in most industries. There's not a whole lot of difference. The difference comes in being able to make that business case and truly layering your product with your um, knowledge and value as a sales professional to actually help them get a, get the outcome. Well, let's take a, a, tw- a twist at really who our real competition is. And yes. our real competition isn't another supplier, no. but our real competition is the customer choosing not to make a decision. You recently had my good friend uh, Brent Adamson on, and in Challenger, we learned that 53% of buying journeys end in no decision made. It's They haven't even gotten to the point of choosing between two or three different competitors. They get lost mm-hmm. in the way for buying. So our real, think of that, you know, customers only make decisions on 47% of the buying journeys they start 
and, wow. and, and we get our fair share of them. And we're leaving this gigantic market opportunity untouched because 53% of them are simply customers don't know how to buy. And, and that's our real competition. You know, it's a, why the hell do I want to try and, and pick up a few more points of share by beating the customer, beating the competitor a few more times when I look at this wasteland of decisions that are funded. I mean, these are buying journeys that are funded. The customer wants to do something. They put together a team to buy and they get lost on their way. You know, that's really, that's easy picking. You know, that's really easy going after those people and say, how can I help you buy? How can I help you achieve what you want to achieve and get what you want and navigate you through that buying process? And so the majority of opportunities that we are losing are, are not because we've lost them to somebody else, but we've lost them because the customer gets lost. And then there's the other set of opportunities that Brent, talk, Brent and I talk a lot about is what about those customers that need to change but don't know that they need to change? Yep. And that's where the whole concept of insight, provoking a customer, customer mm-hmm. to buy and so on and so forth. So, you know, we get so focused on beating our competition that we lose sight of where the real massive sales and revenue opportunity is and the real massive opportunity to help our, uh, our customers. Uh, such wisdom. And I, yeah, I would talk about the blue ocean of sales is that not your competitors, the status quo. Exactly. Yep, Here's exactly. the one. And, and we just kind of, those things just kind of like start, they die a slow death in the pipeline. And you know, at some point you go, well, we should just get that off the pipeline. It's never going to close. Well, Let's figure that out. We spend so much time obsessing over the, you know, the competition. Let's let's obsess over the status quo. Let's you know let's figure out how to take that beast down, right. and then we'll win. Right. Uh, yeah, and you the, can the directly is, confront is, is the your, status your quo. Your real competitors are probably, you know, are probably not. They're probably worried more about you and not worried about yep. the no decision made or inciting a customer to change. So here you're providing leadership. You're connecting with the customer, building that trust, building that relationship around, we want to help you be successful. We want to help you get what you want. And that's the way we're going to conduct ourselves in in helping you through your buying process or helping you initiate a buying process. And isn't that, that's that's the true foundation of sales, what you just said. Absolutely. Absolutely. But, but again, is, is, you know, and, and I, I'm a, I've been a sales somehow involved in selling through most of my career, uh, even though I've held a number of non-sales jobs, but, but it's, it's, you know, we get so obsessed with, again, competition, beating them that, that we lose sight of what we're really trying to achieve and how easy it is to be successful if we focus ourselves and focus the customers on the issues that are most standing in the way of our shared success. Larry, you promised that this was going to be a good conversation and <laughs> I it told is you. not let us down. <laughs> Fantastic. 
David, I can't say enough. Uh, thanks for sharing time with us today. I've, I've learned a ton. And Larry said at the beginning, you're going to need two pages of paper to take <laughs> notes on this one. I think you were right, Larry. <laughs> well, thanks so much. I've really enjoyed the conversation. And again, I'm so flattered uh, to be invited because you've had such great guests and such great content. So thank you very much. Well, I, the flatter, the, the honor is all ours. And uh, we're so glad you're here. Thank you for all you do for the, the community of sales and for the sales profession. Um, you're a true inspiration. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you as well to everybody in the Selling from the Heart community. I love being a part of a community of, of people that just want to make an impact, that want to be excellent at what they do, that, that want to bring authenticity to their clients, to their coworkers. Uh, it's just, Larry, it's a true inspiration being a part of this community. And I want to say thank you to everybody it's great interacting with you on social. So many of you, we get to meet inside the Selling from the Heart Insiders group. And, uh, and so many of you have left reviews on the podcast as well, which we deeply appreciate because that helps us spread the word. So until next week, keep being genuine, keep being authentic, keep adding real value, compete with the status quo, and most of all, sell from the heart. Thanks for listening to the Selling from the Heart podcast on the SalesCast Network. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss an episode. We appreciate your encouraging reviews as it helps us spread the word. As always, we would love to connect with you. So look for us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, and your favorite podcast platform. This podcast is produced by our friends at SalesCast. Learn more at www.salescast.co. We look forward to seeing you next time.